Okay, well I've pressed record, so <laughs> we're off. Woo! Uh, so I've come up with a new little thing. <laughs> oh. I'd rather be torpedoed in a boat than a sub. It's the failed Rockstar Club. Lovely stuff. That is first class. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to um, um, our Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Um, it's a podcast that talks about two musicians, about mental health, their journey in music, and a little dash of fashion to um, add to it as well, as we are a clothes shop. Perhaps we should explain the concept of the Failed Rockstar Club. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do, do that? Or? Go for it. Okay. Uh, so, Failed Rockstar Club, that's the title of the podcast, it's the title of our kind of ethos i guess concept uh we are both failed music failed rock stars ourselves uh but we don't see that as a kind of uh negative mm-hmm. to us it's kind of a celebration of that uh that we put ourselves out there that we tr- gave it a good ruddy good go <laughs> you know we didn't quite get to where we wanted to be but we had an amazing journey and you know at least we tried that's the, our kind of philosophy is as long as you try yeah you can never be a failure this podcast is going to be um, possibly weekly, possibly bi-weekly, like every fortnightly, four, fortnightly <laughs> um, uh, interviewing different musicians um, about their journey um, in the music industry and being in a band, how they cope with like the different situations that come across, yeah. failure, <laughs> rejection, dealing with bad reviews. Yeah, not mental health, but also success as well. Yeah, and of how course, that how, you, how you handle that. When it goes well, mm-hmm. and we, we didn't have that situation to deal with. Well, no, that's not true. We did. Yeah, well, that's what it's really about. Um, so, as this is episode one, we we've decided to kind of give it a, um, a go. We're going to talk to each other for the first one about <laughs> yeah. our experiences in, in the music industry. Um, but first off, we're going to play. Uh, I don't know if you call it a little game, but um, a little thing about regular features. A regular feature a about how your week's been. Um, we've been discussing about this. Like, um, we're going to use a different song title each week to describe how our week has been. So, Jez, hit me with it. What is the, what's your song title? Uh, it's called Cough Cough. Cough Cough. It's by the band Everything Everything. Okay. It's quite a niche track, I guess. And yeah, I've taken this quite literally. <laughs> My son. Uh, yeah, that's right. I've got a son. He's he's had a cough for about a month, and it has been. I've, I've sort of tuned into it like so literally every time he coughs it if i'm a deep sleep or a light sleep it wakes me up and then i'm basically just lying there waiting for him to cough again so it has been driving me a little bit insane okay uh, so i feel like an empty shell of a human being <laughs> right so it should be quality podcasting so uh, well, he's been coughing for a long time then he has yeah a month i should probably get him checked out <laughs> you know Example of the quality parenting. Mm. Parenting, you'll get from me. What about you? I've come up with Tranny by Kings of Leon. <laughs> Tranny, yep. yep. Because explain yourself. Well, it was that it was that one or Waste of Time by Kings of what? Leon? Um, but I've come, I've decided to come up with Tranny because a couple of weeks ago, Jez and I we met a couple of drag queens oh. that were also <laughs> <Yeah>. brothers. <laughs> yep, uh, and they were from Grey's. And that was on BBC Essex when we were doing a bit of talking about um, the shop. Um, and I really, I kind of haven't stopped thinking about them. <laughs> well, okay. Because, yeah, what, uh, what do you mean? Well, what are you doing when you're thinking about them? Well, I was interested. Like I, at the time, I remember I said to Jez that um, it thought it was interested that they came, they were kind of came in talking and they were like sitting there, legs open, like rah, 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 chatting away. And both Jez and I both kind of like automatically kind of crossed our legs into a kind of <laughs> defensive body language type thing. And it, we didn't know how to act, really, did we? We didn't know how to act around them, which is weird, which is not very woke of us, really. But they were kind of cool at the same time, and they, they keep yeah, popping they up on lovely. Instagram. Yeah. Um, they were so nice. Yeah, and they're on and they're on EastEnders recently as well. So I've been thinking a lot about them. <laughs> <laughs> you missed them. 
I don't know if missed them is the right word. I didn't really get to know them enough, but I, I've shown an interest in them since that. Yeah. Well, they come up on our Instagram feed a lot now, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they, <do. laughs> they seem to be having a good time. They do, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if that's... We should the, get them on the podcast. The curse of social media, or not. Uh, okay, so there you go. So that's um, that. So um, the subject of today, we're calling this episode the Fans of Kate episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be talking about our bands about a journey that we went through um, as musicians, I guess, and the men- how we kind of cope with it mentally, and also what our clothing, I guess, as well as part of it, um, a little dash of fashion. Yep. Um, but first off, before we do start chatting, we're going to start with one of our little games. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. So we got two. We got. I'm going to, I'm going to toss a coin for it so that because we can't decide which one to play. So heads is going to be band for life, yep. and tails is going to be rock and rolls. Okay. Rock and rolls. Rock and rolls. Rock and rolls. Play the jingle. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, okay, so here's the first game of episode one of the Fans of Kate episode of Rock and Knowles. Um, well, we yeah, let's explain the concept of okay. Rock and Knowles. So Rock and Knowles is an idea Steve came up with, to be fair. Uh, so each week we will pitch a TV show idea to each other uh, and, ho- you know, connected with music, hopefully some pun action in there. That's the, that's okay. the <laughs> brief guideline. Yeah. Uh, like last week, Steve's was it's only rock and Knowles, but I like it. Yeah, hosted by Nick Knowles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nick Knowles won't always be in it, but he's he's kind of given his name to the yeah. to the title of the I'm game. Sure, he's really proud of it. Yeah, he will be. Oh, we'll get in touch. Uh, so yes, yeah, mine this week. Well, we do want we've come up with these first two, but ideally we want you, the listener, to send in your ideas for rock and Knowles. Mm. So for a game show, ideas. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be a game show, just a TV show. Okay, it can TV be a game show. show. Oh yeah. I mean, I'd like it to be a game show, but yeah. it doesn't have to be. Just a TV idea based, preferably upon music connection, can or, you know, may have Nick Knowles involved. But that's not, <laughs> it's not crucial. Mine doesn't have Nick Knowles involved. Okay. Uh, I'm pitching you a show. It's called Who Are the Small Feces? Okay, Who Are the Small Feces? And so it's, the Who is written in the font of The Who. The oh, uh, yep, yep. And obviously the small, the small Faces. So it's kind of... You're shown. Can, it's a game show. Two, it's a game show. Yeah, check. Two contestants, and they're shown. <laughs> you're given little boxes with some poo, some feces <laughs> in, which belong to members of bands from the '60s. Not a member of the Who. <laughs> well, it could be. Ooh. That's that's the thing. Okay. You, so you see this poo, and based on the consistency <laughs> and smell, uh, odor of the poo, you can tell like what you know substances they've had, and you know, oh. uh, with the drugs or whatever. So you have to guess. Do you get a clue? Which, Do you get clues? You'll probably get clues because otherwise <laughs> it's going to be near impossible. Yeah. But for example, like Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones, his poo would probably look different to say Keith Moon's poo. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there'd be little clues. I don't know what somebody who's taken so a bit like drugs... through the poo hole. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't call it that. No. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's who, whose are the small feces? Hosted by Ben is... Shepherd. Oh, Ben Shepherd. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, what do you think? Why would Ben Shepherd, is he, <laughs> out of well, all the people, why have you chosen Ben? Well, I just think he's a safe pair of hands. Okay. <laughs> he's, he is just, you've seen the tipping point, right? right? He's just a good good presenter, and I think he's got the versatility to to cope with this. Who's poo for you? That, I mean, that could be his, mm. one of his catchphrases, but yeah. Okay. You in? Yeah, it's the poo <laughs> aspect I'm concerned about. I mean, I mean, I'm worried that straight away, episode one, we've come up with poo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Where do you yeah. go from there? Yeah. Well, it's not our job. From here on in, it's the listeners. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it. Small, and I've came up with small feces, but I've make, taken it more faces-based. Oh, okay. So it's a bit like catchphrase, uh-huh. but you have like a photo come up of a celebrity, but due to the uh, people with skills and that sort of thing, they've made the, the, per, the celebrity's head really shrunken. Oh, literally, literally, literally small, small faces. 
okay. Oh, that's actually way better. Yeah, and it's kind of like kind of like a catchphrase kind of thing, and you have to kind of figure out through clues with their shrunken head. Who's is who's is the shrunken head? Yeah, who's switched celebrities? Oh, so, oh, okay. Well, I could do mine. Who are the small faces? But with your idea, we could combine the two. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Actually, I yeah. take mine back then. Mine's. I've, I've got written mine. Of course, mine's being presented by Nick Knowles. <laughs> Naturally, Knowles because yeah. You don't like He's Ben Shepherd? Uh, yeah, I do like him. He's. Uh, I don't really see enough of him to be honest with you. I don't really watch. Uh, well, I watch Ben Shepherd based I watch programs. The tipping point a lot. Mm. That's like my default television program okay it's always on that channel I think it's called W mm. don't know what that stands for but it's always on tipping point and then it's like that house doctor guy you know those two twins you probably don't know I don't know there's two twins American twins like fixing up your house okay. they're kind of like the American equivalent of Nick Knowles actually Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I have seen those guys. They're like brothers or something. Yeah, yeah, twins. And one of them's good at like selling houses. One of them's good at building houses. I think so. Yeah, and then they fix up your house. Yep, make a little shop. Yep. Uh, So, okay, so we're gonna move on. um, Talking about let's talk about us. (laughs) About us. Uh, So we were in a indie band called Fans of Kate. Uh, in the early 2000s. I can't remember what it was now. Well, our first single came out in 2003, didn't it? Okay. And didn't you say... I, for, I, I can't remember all these now, but didn't you say it was released the same day that downloads became a thing? I streams? think that was our second second single? single. I don't know what to do with my hands. Hmm. So, yeah, the first single was 2003. So we were... We were in... Me and Steve met in 99. Mm-hmm. And we met pretty much because of... Indie music. Yep. But indie, we met an indie club. Indie clubs. We would always see each other at indie night, and then you were friends with people who were looking to form a band, yep. and they wanted a, one of them had a keyboard, but didn't know how to play it. Yep. And so... And you could kind of play it. I could kind of play it. I could bash a few buttons. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you took me along to meet these other people. Yep. And we've been in bands together ever since that, essentially. Yeah, that is true. And that's where our friendship... That's kind of, it's kind of defined our whole life, hasn't it? Music has, yeah. Yeah. Well, and being in bands. Mm. To me, like every, I kind of compare everything, every aspect of our life. I sort of... You know, like the shop that we own. Yep. We often often find ourselves comparing it to being in a band, as in nobody's, <laughs> nobody's turning up. It's kind of all the, sadly, I take a lot of the negative aspects of it and compare it. Like, we'd, we would go to... Do market stalls and stuff, mm. and you'd, you'd go. All oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely. Like, Spend ages setting up like you would at a gig. Yeah, talking to a bunch of other market stall holders that yeah. are also trying to kind of yeah. do it, and, and then you start seeing the same ones on the scene <laughs> on the circuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of defined our whole life. But we back in the early two thousand, we kind of started to build up a bit of hype, you might say. <laughs> well, it happened really quickly, didn't it? Um, we had. I think one of the things that I really take away from what happened, and I'm sure other bands have been through the same sort of thing, is that we weren't really prepared for anything. Not really. No. We'd, we'd barely written any songs. I think we'd written like four or five songs, recorded one EP with um, with the uh, guy, that um, Dan Swift, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he produced Snow Patrol. the Snow Patrol album that also kind of went massive at the same sort of time. And everything kind of happened very very quickly for us and we were young men and i think one of the problems you have is like being young inexperienced young men in a music in a world that was pretty kind of cutthroat was kind of tough to tough to be able to deal with it was like a bit of a whirlwind very quickly months wasn't it and we were just getting swept swept up without really thinking about what we were doing or considering or any kind of planning or yeah you basically you you start a band to impress girls. Let's let's be honest about it. If you if you're a young awkward boy, yeah, I don't know about you. Was that your experience when you were at school or whatever? I guess. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I was in bands was at the, school. Was it about the music first, or was it to impress girls? I can't really remember. I, I don't think girls were really a <laughs> thing for me when I was like really at school. It wasn't until uni that I started chasing, not liking girls, but, you know, like becoming more girly. Um, girl focused but I can't I think it's probably a bit of both like I, music okay. was definitely a big part of it for me well, for, for me it was it was I think because I went to an all boys school yeah it, I, girls were like this exotic amazing 
creatures that I didn't understand, but I know I wanted to impress. And so that, yeah, join this, join this band. That got me into, you know, being into bands and stuff and kind of dressing a little bit different to everybody else, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then, yeah, somewhere along the line, you realise it's the music that you get get into. But then people start telling you, you know, you're great, you're going to be the next big thing or whatever. And, you, you know, you just, you get swept up in this kind of whirlwind. You're not really thinking about the decisions you make. I feel like we were always playing catch-up. Yeah. As musicians, like we didn't have any more songs in that really, and so it was like, oh, shit, we better write some songs. And then I don't know. It feels like with the pressure was on us pretty quickly, like to perform, to create more music, create. Yeah, and it's got to be it's got to be a single. single. Yeah. It's got to be a hit single. And I don't know. I mean, one of the things that I always felt was that for you, Jez, being a songwriter. You must have felt a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot of pressure. Yes, I did. I, I don't know. I think it was kind of. I didn't have. I didn't really contemplate it at the time. It wasn't until like a few months, months, years went by, and it, you know things were we were kind of stuck in a rut that I started to feel the pressure. At the at that early time when it would happen so quickly, and everyone said, "Oh yeah, yeah, not these," you know, these songs are great. These songs are great. Where's the next one? Mm. It wasn't until because we we were in like. Yeah, there was like the telegraph of the the pull out that came with the telegraph saying, "Oh, they're gonna, they're the next big thing or whatever." Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I just thought, "Well, sure, you know, carry on, keep on doing what I'm doing." I'm doing it, or I'm doing it right. Yeah. And then it didn't quite happen, and then you then you start to doubt yourself, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is going on for from those sort of early stages. It was about a year, two years, wasn't it? Where it was. A two-year hype band. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, you've got the you've got the second, third single. You don't have that one breakthrough single. That was that no. was what we always got told. And it's you can't. Well, what I've learned is you can't write a write. You can't sit down. Well, I can't anyway. <laughs> Maybe you can, listener. When you, someone says you've got to write a hit single, you sit down. And you go right, okay, hit single. <laughs> It's got to be two two and a half minutes long. The chorus has got to come in. You know, there, people would be telling me all these ingredients that it had to have. Like people, we were meeting people like the guy who signed Blur and stuff, and they were telling you, you know, how to write a hit single or whatever. And you kind of you just go mental. And we would we would always just listen to the ne- you know the the last bit of advice that we'd been given, and then run with that until that proved to be bad advice. Do you? Because looking back now, do you think that's what you would have done differently? Not listen to people. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I, it's only now, in the last few years, where I've felt, mature, you know, I've, I've never really grown up. I'm a kind of a big man-child. I, I, was, I always thought people knew better than me, or assumed people knew better than me, and I wasn't particularly comfortable in my own skin, so if people told me to do a certain thing, I would I would do it. I wasn't. I think we were all, you know, all I suppose it was, more, yeah, it was more important that I was stronger, I guess, but we were all guilty of just listening to other people's advice and not being strong enough to just believe in our own Do you think conviction. I feel like it was because I was personally constantly plagued with self-doubt? Yeah. And even to this day, I look back on those times and I just don't know what I would have done differently, really, because I feel like I was doing the best I could. Yeah, oh yeah, like, same here. And feelings of definitely self-doubt and burgeoning feelings of failure which has definitely affected my life since yeah like without a doubt doing music has fucked me up um and so i don't know i think you're right like i felt like all these people were in the industry you know they know better they've done it they've been there they've done it yeah these we were i mean we were working people with who'd had big successes mm-hmm. and yeah should but, have yeah but so obviously we would assume they know better but you know i guess yeah. everyone is just it's just guessing, really, aren't they? Yeah. You can't, I don't think you can plan these things. Some, you know, sometimes you just stumble upon a hit record or whatever, or a great piece of art. Hello. My name is Bernard, 2001. You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him.
Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints, and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. Peace out, mother crushers. One of the things that I found really difficult, and I don't know how you feel about it, was dealing with people like that in the music industry. Um and knowing how to react to that because really and truly we're kind of like nice guys <laughs> and that kind of like you can imagine some bands being like very kind of like pig-headed arrogant and focused on what they want to do yep. and it's like of course i'm on this i'm that i'm the man but we were never like that we were always a lot more self-deprecating and like i said like constant concerns about ourselves and yeah well, doubt, we, yeah, doubt ourselves. Are we, are we good enough? Are we it's, just frauds? Yeah, and all these people would come up to you, and I remember being ta- we were taken out in the Groucho Club, and our single had just been played on Radio One, and we had like lawyer with us, and he's like all these like big, I can't remember what Geezer's name was now. So this this is when people actually bought records as yeah. well, wasn't it? Big Geezer was like going, "Oh, you're going to be massive," and the lawyer was saying, "I'm yeah. staking my career." And he was, he was from Univer- Universal, I can't or remember, or Sony from. or something, something like that. a, a big the, record company, but a big. Cliche of an A and R kind of big record label guy can no no doubt is all sticking all sorts of stuff up his nose and big old big guy wasn't he and like he was a big guy or like basically a piece of, piece of shit really yep um, but yeah and I remember that feeling of going fucking hell it's going to happen I can't believe it. we've just been playing in Radio One all these people were in the Groucho Club being bought drinks and it was like the nearest I kind of felt I guess to feeling like we were really kind of on the road to something but how quickly that turned around as well like it's just <laughs> yep. people just telling you I think one of the things I've learned now is that people just tell you whatever you want to hear and if I, I suppose if I did have my time again I would be a lot less trusting of people totally I, I would yeah I, would. I felt like they were my friends yeah when really and truly they weren't because when things start going wrong I I think it comes down to our, like you say, our personalities. We were always, and we still are, people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we need both need to go to therapy about that. I think. <laughs> I don't know why I'm such so eager to, just desperately eager to please everyone, regardless of who they are, what they want. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, I'm the sort of person who would get off with a girl out of politeness, you know, because I don't want her to be sad. <laughs> Not that, that used yeah. to happen very often, but. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I'm just, so, just so eager to please. And it was the same with the band. Like people say, "All right, you, you need to get your haircuts." Okay, yeah. yeah. You need to write a song. You need to sound like Coldplay. Okay, I'll write a little yeah. Coldplay song. Oh no, you fucked it up now because you sound like Coldplay. Oh shit. Okay, we uh, let's write something like The Killers. Yeah. And just, I mean, stop and think. That's what I'd say to young me. Stop and think. Do what you do. Make the art that you believe in. Because if you don't believe it, mm-hmm. sure as hell, no one else is going to. I've only recently kind of woken up to that and yeah you're right there would have been bands who just so firmly believed they'd have come across as arrogant but they wouldn't care because they're the ones that Hmm. would make it I guess they just stick to their guns and I think it was our it was our personalities rather than like our musicianship or whatever I think it was our personalities that I made a note of this yeah about where did I write it oh yeah (laughs) number six Desperate Acts we did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that fucking well sums it, sums yeah, it right up. Back alley. And <laughs> some of the things that we were told, oh, you're not, you, it's not happening for you because yeah, you're too, right. yeah, you got your you, hairs aren't right. You took, you're a bit scruffy. And we, uh, I remember being taken. We went, and all of us cut our hair then, and we all started wearing. That was our PR. We had a PR, mm. a PR company, and they yeah. literally said, "Yeah, great gig, guys, but yeah, the hair." Yeah. Which, to be fair, looking back at yeah. there, my God. Yeah. I mean, they had a point. They yeah. had a point. But we still shouldn't have done what they, you know, well, we just exactly followed, what they said. We, again, that's a good example of just following along because yeah. we did it against our better judgment, but we did it anyway. Um, I made no fucking ounce of difference, obviously. But it was those are the sort of things that we ended up doing. It was, you got to release this single, even though we didn't really believe in it particularly. Or, you need to be doing this, or this is this is great, guys, honestly. 
Yeah. And we would. Oh, that's so true. We would write. There'd be little bits of songs that were really catchy, but we didn't really like. Yeah. And they were like people. Uh, you know, producers would go, "Oh, yeah, no, no, no that's it. That's it. That's the single. Yeah. That's that's a hit." So we'd work on it, and none of us even liked it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even you know, this isn't even when it's finished. We didn't like it when it's finished. We didn't like it from the start. I mean, no. yeah. <laughs> we're just doing as we're told, like yeah. good little school children. We were like a, almost like a boy band in a way, <laughs> where we were created. By <laughs> people within the PR company, radio pluggers, everyone had an opinion about what we should be doing, what we yeah. shouldn't be doing, and we just weren't strong enough to mm. disagree with them. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's I suppose what the advice I would give to people, young bands, mm-hmm. is that is yeah, that's the biggest thing I've learned is that you just you've, you've got to believe, you've got to do what you believe in. You've got you've made this art. I mean that's. That, Possibly the hard part is actually making <laughs> making the art. But then, when you've made it, don't let anyone, you know, fuck it up. Are we allowed to swear? We are allowed to swear. Yeah, yeah, don't let anyone mess with it. You've got to truly believe in it, and that will come across. Just be be authentic. I suppose that's what we're kind of learning with our business as well. Like just yeah. sort of just being true to ourselves and doing what we genuinely believe in, rather than <clears throat> rather than doing what we think people want to hear or what pe- we think people want to see. Authenticity is key. How did you deal with the rejection? <laughs> uh, Mental, well, not, like mentally, not very well. I took took it to heart. Always have to. I'm very, very sensitive, <laughs> and I yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't take it to heart. But I couldn't help it. That's just the kind of person I am. We got uh, so we fans of Kate then changed our name, and then our next we sort of lost a member, gained a member, became a much more anthemic, melodic rock band who. You know, which, to be fair, represented the music we were listening mm-hmm. to. Uh, but yeah, our, that band, New Adventures, we were called. There's an album on Spotify if you want to hear it. Uh, our first thing we got zero out of ten. Was it one or zero? Zero out of ten on Teletext. <laughs> <In teletext. laughs> Do you remember Teletext? The uh, old-fashioned internet yeah. uh, that used to be you get with your TV. No out of ten. It, the song was called "How I Got My Devil Back," Part One, and the review essentially just said. Not out of ten. I hope there's not a part two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that was a that genuinely did come from a very real place. That song. Yeah. And that was, you know, I poured my all into that, and to then just see it just kind of damned literally, like literally damned in the ultimate way. Not even a single mark. Yeah. That's that's pretty harsh. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm over it now. Just about. Yeah. I, I I don't really have a. I can laugh at it now. Because uh, I suppose yeah, it doesn't doesn't define me, but it, it was hard. I don't. I should be giving advice, I suppose. But again, if you believe in it, then I suppose that's all that yeah. matters. Because I mean, with that song specifically, and I the did. problem with us is that we've focused on all the things that were the negative parts. Of yep. it. but I swear there was probably good reviews as well. I just can't remember any of them now because no. I only seem to remember that one that one review. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that's again that's our personalities. We mm. dwell we dwell on the negatives yeah. and forget about the positives. That's that's the one thing that I you know, that I talk about how our life was defined by the band, certainly for our twenties, and it I, it does mm-hmm. to this day, to be honest. It gave us certainly our lowest lows, but it also our highest highest highs. There was some really euphoric moments where we were playing in front of you know, thousands, thousands of, people. of people. Yeah. But big big venues with people, you know, singing along or whatever and it was there's nothing you cannot beat that feeling it was best, amazing best two weeks of my life have been were when we went on tour with Dogs Die in Hot Cars um, which a band which were kind of like kind of in the moment I guess like yeah kind of indie sort of band. mid, mid noughties they were yeah. you know they had a really critically acclaimed album out it was, it was really well. wicked it was playing big venues every night it was loads of people there we were having a really good laugh mm. we were enjoying ourselves and it was like loads of good stuff was happening and it was yeah. It's so music has still given me the best, best things in my life, as well as the most neg- as as probably also the worst things in my life as well. It's like even now after all these years, forty years old, looking back, still defines probably most of how I view the world. Yeah, and I imagine there'd be a lot of musicians listening out there as well that probably feel the same way. Uh, ever since that, it's definitely I've had huge feelings of fucking fate a complete and utter failure and doom which definitely stemmed from feeling like I wasn't good enough to be a musician in my own band well essentially it was the first thing that we in life that we so like we finished school you went to uni yeah. got a degree mm-hmm. and then 
it's the first thing you that went wrong in yeah, life essentially you, wasn't yeah. it and the first thing that re- you really put your heart into right? yeah. and your absolute heart and soul into it's like starting a business like this it's the same sort of, it's this next sort of thing it's like not many band musicians make it and not many small businesses kind of like end up succeeding because it is bloody difficult it's tough yeah yeah and they kind of like they're definitely similar journeys like having a having a small shop or having a shop and a business in colchester is is the same sort of thing it's yeah because we yeah we're putting you know there's an artistry to it we've put we've put our heart and soul into it yeah and it hurts when when no one shops here yeah. and when when, it, when we do have a busy day it's yeah. it's amazing yeah massive highs and massive lows yeah um, so that, that's kind of our story, yeah. I guess. So, I'm going to ask you quickly. Oh, sorry. What is the yep. best and worst things about being a musician? Well, I suppose yeah, like the best. The best. I was performing live. I always get horrible, horrible stage fright before I went on because I was. I used to be just a keyboard player, and then I sort of got promotion to singer, mm-hmm. frontman, and so I would, yeah, I'd get horrible stage fright. I was quite a shy shy person well you used to be a lot more shy uh but then but as soon as soon as you're on stage you're just absolutely loving it and how would you how would you deal with that stage fight uh just a little bit of sick <laughs> a little bit of sick and then you drink on. too much uh sometimes it's getting that balance right i think you remember the very first i think my very first gig as singer like sort of so we just jumped the whole bottle of wine yeah and we, literally fell on stage yeah we were absolutely rubbish we couldn't hmm. couldn't sing <laughs> or play guitar uh, yeah so a little bit of just the right amount of booze but I, in the end I, there wasn't really a technique for it I would just deal with deal with the nerves and then channel them into the performance I was quite a twitchy <laughs> twitchy performer <laughs> but then yeah then uh, you know you get less and less you just get more comfortable with it less and less scared before and then eventually yeah, it becomes mm. becomes natural would you rather play to like loads of people like feeling like judged, or would you rather pay to like hardly any people? What do you mean? Like for your own nerves, or would you be more nervous? Oh right, playing, okay. Like, uh, it or was... would you would you would you feel like oh, what's the fucking point? Or would you not yeah, mind? Yeah, no. I used to think I'm whipping myself up into a frenzy here for for nothing really. <laughs> so yeah, I'd rather it be worth the because I'd still get nervous even if there was mm. no one there because there could still be one person there it, I mean it's the fear of just embarrassing yourself in front of people like what if my trousers fall down mm-hmm. <laughs> which my braces you know, I used to wear braces a lot mm-hmm. and once they pinged up and smacked me in the face oh, I don't remember live that. on stage yeah. yeah. to me that was a big embarrassing moment I'm sure nobody noticed but mm. those are the kind of things that I replay in bed at night that <laughs> I mean I can't get to sleep mm. I think I still have weird anxiety dreams even now but about your guitar not yeah, or not, not less about equipment and more about me. Again, right. I can't remember. Like, not, can't remember the calls. Can't remember the calls. Which yeah, actually used know. to happen loads. Actually, when I used to play. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not dreams. That's memory. Absolute fear of moment. I'm going. Please, God, be the right note. Yeah, please be elite. Please Probably be the right elite. note. But yeah, all kinds of anxiety dreams. Still, even now after all these years, um, and. Yeah, but I think as I've got older, I probably end up drinking less and less before playing music now because I prefer to have a clearer head and be a bit more focused. And even having a couple of beers, I get I used to get a bit lightheaded and probably Forget a bit stuff. shitter. Yeah. yeah. What's the best thing about being a musician? Uh, well, I suppose the the camaraderie with a, for us as a band, I I always really felt a lot of respect for solo artists who didn't have that sense of collaboration and camaraderie like mm-hmm. in all these highs and lows that we're talking about imagine not being able to sort of share them with with bandmates just having to deal that like either way if, you, if you're if you a solo artist who has great success that you can't sort of share with someone did you get on with, must be really did you get on with the band all the time like, no no because that's sort of, it's, it's difficult though when you're on tour with like the same people oh, for like yeah. three, three months at a time living in each other's pockets yeah if, if there are I don't care who you are it's like that's challenging yeah the cracks cracks soon begin to if the cracks were there to start with they soon begin to widen when you're living in each other's pockets and we were all sleep like sleeping in a in the back of a van it was it was pretty you know low budget stuff mm. and yeah you don't always get on and then in terms of writing songs as well because we were quite collaborative i would write like a basic song but then it it was always kind of you know everyone came up with their own parts and their own ideas about how it should sound so there mm. was there was never a dictator so it did become awkward sometimes trying to 
like strong would you say the band had strong personalities with each because I feel like we didn't outside of each other but when it came to kind of internal yeah everyone was really, suddenly, suddenly everyone was really, like bloody Johnny Burrell yeah everyone's got a fucking opinion and they're all yeah. really stubborn and nobody likes to be told what to play that, I think that I think that was another thing that held us back we were, we were all there was a lot of ego and this this must be uh, it's a cliche of bands but ego is getting in the way of people like I would often want a song to sound a particular way but I wasn't strong enough or I wasn't or maybe everybody else had their own opinions and didn't want it to sound that way or wanted it to you know put their own influences on it and uh, yeah I wasn't strong enough to say look I want this to sound like granddaddy this is how it's going to sound that yeah that's another thing I kind of regret that you like weren't being, that you I didn't more, see you were, my you weren't more Noel Gallagher with the situation yeah kind of a more presidential like I was too just willing to again people please I wanted everyone to be happy so mm. have their have their little part to play I mean there's pros and cons to that because you want everyone to feel like they're having input yeah because some of the some of the best things we did were when it all it clicked mm. you know right and like well yeah that's it sometimes we were all on the same page that that was yeah. the, <laughs> the happiest time yeah. it's when like because you know our bass player didn't you know he had much more kind of avant-garde musical taste he or wants, sort of niche yeah, he definitely wanted to be more challenging yeah with his music not a sort of straight ahead as perhaps we were coming from a sort of more of a pop and I was definitely a more kind of like <laughs> let's write we write a chorus and a repeated refrain yeah and then, then there were people in between and then there were yeah the people who were just happy to go with the flow yeah so I should have been an auteur but there you go. For me, one of the best things about being a musician is when you're in the studio together and when a song has clicked. Yeah. That feeling when you're all together, like we used to go with in with our producer in um, Halifax, Rick, and we, he um, every time something clicked in there, and it was like, such a nice feeling. When it was it magical, just, wasn't it? It's magic, yeah, because you felt like, my God, what, what? This is bloody brilliant. It's so exciting. Yeah. You take this little sketch of a song almost, and then yeah. it, it would you know turn it into this kind of. I got weirder personally. I got weirder and weirder about playing gigs. Like I liked it less and less and less, and I felt more and more like a shouldn't be here kind of guy. On Why? Stage. Why do you think that was? I think I was becoming more aware personally that I w- or had these feelings of like self doubt and all these feelings of failure that I felt. I always felt like I wasn't good enough to do it, and. I just always felt like more and more under pressure to play and I just would enjoy it less and less. It became more of a chore for me. Like most people say that's mm. all about playing live. Playing live is what it's all about. For, but for me, I used to much prefer when something would click in a studio and it was like just us playing or something. Or in rehearsals when you play rehearsing and stuff and it sounded really good in rehearsals. Mm. One of the issues I had was like competing to Rick's kind of standards like as a guitarist like he played a guitar. That, yeah that was an extra strand for you wasn't it because he's a yeah. really amazing guitarist so yeah. for you the guitarist in the band yeah it was so difficult and like he'd be saying play play this play this yeah. he's a hero to me you know and like I used to want to really like step up to him and like his um, his standards and wanted to kind of like always try and impress him and mm-hmm. I always had these feelings like I wasn't and he even said to me once, which I'm sure he said it out of place of love, but it really hurt. He remember saying, oh, when I first met you, I thought you were going to be the cool one. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> but, yeah, great. Turns out, no. And, yeah, that stayed with me, and it kind of really kind of, like, cut deep. And even though he's always... Everything he did was, like, for us, it's still, like, for me, like, it just... And I think that's when it started going wrong for me, like, when we were there more and more, and just... Yeah, it was All just... All that doubt sh- crept in. Yeah, it was worse and worse, and shitter and shitter, and, yeah... So it's probably a good time for me to get out, really, as I did it. Like, I hardly pick the guitar up anymore. Apart from when we do play the odd gig, like, pick it up again. I'm surprised I can even remember anything. That's a bit sad. We shouldn't end our story on such a downbeat. No. Well, it is what it is. That's kind you of. You still like... love music, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do. But it's definitely like it was challenging. I mean, it was just, just the way it was, like, for my personal mental health. Like, definitely think there's like strands of like how i've been suffering mentally recently because it stems from that kind of thing no yeah, i can see that and i think it's the same old thing it's like I put myself through two of the hardest things to do like i said i didn't just go and get a job and kind of start a family and i tried i've tried to do challenging things with my and then put my targets or start to put my targets probably too high when really i should have just enjoyed the journey 
looking back like, i never kept anything from the band days like no cuttings or anything because everything we ever did any cds anything i just wouldn't bother keeping them because for me it was always like this is just a stepping stone and i kind of regret that a little bit but you're always thinking about the next step rather than enjoying this yeah and the i think that's the same on. with the business yeah probably I don't enjoy the good times as much because I feel like it should be like a kind of stepping stone to further. Yeah. Well, you never you never really know they're good times until you kind of... Yeah. The bad times hit and you're like, oh shit, they were good times. <laughs> Last one, I want to go, before we move on, hmm. um, I want to have a little back at the fashion. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that we were wearing. Oh, now you're on my special the subject. Early, the early 2000s indie boy fashion. Oh, yeah. If you were going to say a Fans of Kate outfit, what would it? what would it be? Well, we were kind of heavily influenced by the Strokes, weren't we? The Strokes came around, like, two, is this it? Was that 2000? It was around that time, 2000, 2001. Yep. It was, yeah, it was when we were at uni, wasn't it? Yeah, because well, skinny jeans started becoming a thing. Skinny jeans were coming in. The Kings of Leon were wearing, just just broke. Well, they, well, they played where we went to uni, actually, mm. when just before they were big. That's their the first tightest, gig in the yeah, UK. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, really tight jeans... Uh, sort of s- slim fitted blazers. Yeah. We used to like them with a sk- skinny leather tie often. Uh, ski jackets. Yeah. <laughs> very, very tight ski jackets. Everything was like fitted, which is like the complete opposite of what. What it is now. What it is now. Yeah. Now the thought of, like, I sometimes I have some of like the blazers that I used to wear. They, I can't get them on. I keep them for sort of. You know, <laughs> nostalgic reasons. It's ridiculous how small they are. Do you remember once, uh, well, I think we played in Essex University. And you told oh, yeah. you convinced me to wear just a little tank top. Well, that's not because you said I looked iconic. Yep, I did say or, that. Or I forget what you no. said. And I and I put a, tattoo, <laughs> a fake tattoo of mother on my arm. Yep, it was with marker pen. With marker pen, <laughs> and my mum told me off because she thought I'd got a real tattoo that said mother. Yeah, I didn't convince you to wear. It. You wore it, and then you were starting to doubt yourself. Yeah, and well, I was that fucking right because I looked. <laughs> I saw I saw a photo, and it looked like a right twat. Well. Right, an iconic right twat. Though. Yeah, iconic right twat. <laughs> Good gig, yeah. that. I'd hair. I looked like the ultimate warrior with my hair. You did have a sort. We all we were kind of rocking mullets, weren't we? Yeah. Very bleached, big sort of uh, part like highlights. Mm-hmm. Little highlights when you get one of those kits where you put a little hat on and pull little bits of your hair through. Yeah. And like sun in, we'd often wear yeah. <laughs> sun in in the summer, <laughs> just in little patches. Yeah. Like I got married whilst in the middle of that whole yeah. phrase. I look like an absolute bellend. Oh, I cut your hair the day before your wedding. <laughs> yeah, not even trained. Yeah, no skills. Yeah. Like never even been trained in hairdressing. Uh, yeah, my wife's still mad with me mostly for that period. Probably you as well. Yeah, she got ma- like she, we got married just as our first single. I think it was it was either about to come out or That'd just come out. Just come it? out. It was getting radio one play, and we, you know, I think she thought she was marrying a rock star. <laughs> she was marrying the next big thing. Yeah. Only a couple of months later, the reality kicked in. Mm. But there you go. I remember that's before skinny jeans were going into the shops, and so we were having to like tailor our jeans. Yeah, they weren't they weren't mainstream at that point. They no. were very much kind of mm. you. If you're an indie boy, you were yeah. wearing plimsolls. Yes, <laughs> those sort of PE plimsolls. Yeah, absolutely spray on skinny jeans. Yeah. PE plimsolls. Every time you stood on a stone, you'd like get an, a shoot of yeah. paint up your foot because they weren't designed for being worn outside. Remember, you were getting for an idea of what Steve looked like. You you were getting mistaken for the guy out of the Towers of, Tower of London, weren't yeah. you? You were being banned from clubs across oh London gosh. because people thought he was that absolute uh, weapon from the uh, Towers of London. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Probably not. No. Most famous now for being on. Uh, never mind the Buscocks. Never mind the Buscocks and Celebrity Big Brother oh, yeah, being an absolute tool. Yeah. Yeah. Donny. Donny? Yeah. Tourette. Donny Tourette. Look him up. Google him. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that's. Well, at the time, well, we thought we were like the height of fashion, the height of cool. We probably were. We were living in London, in Camden. Well, yeah, kind of at the episode. Working in Rocket. Yeah. It felt, we really felt like we were part of something, and then, you know. Turns out we weren't. Okay, so we're going to move on a little bit and we're going to play another little game. Um, feature. Let's call it a feature. A feature. I Regular feature. It a, game, don't I? Yeah. a feature and it's called Band for Life. Kick it. Much better 
Uh, so what is... Tell, me, tell us what Band for Life so let's is. Let's explain Band for Life. Uh, Band for Life, I mean, it, as the song says, it looks it works better if it's written down. Band, B-A-N-D, for life. You choose a band for life, a band that you listen to for all time. Kind of like a Desert Island disc situation. And then Band for Life, you choose one band to be erased, erased from existence. Yeah. Uh, and Steve's going to do it this week. He's going to tell me mm. two bands. I, at first, you have to guess which is which. Yeah. And then he'll explain why these two bands are his band. No, this is kind of hard, right? Because we know each other so well. Mm. So with a stranger, it's it would be a lot more... I'm not say honest, because... But it's it, it would be a lot easier for someone we don't know. But because yeah. if I said to Jez, for example, I'm going to pick Nickelback and Midlake... <laughs> You would know straight away, right? So yeah. I've had to try and do a little bit of a curveball. So my hand and heart, they're probably not my band for life or band <laughs> oh, okay. for life. But I do have a stronger feelings on it. And I'm okay, trying to pick okay. a band, two bands or musicians that Jez might not know. So we can have to have a, have a little guess. Okay. Right. So. So. Beck. Ooh. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> right. Well. I know for a fact you don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, do I? No, you don't. No, no you won't have <laughs> changed. And I've heard... I don't know you like Beck so much, but I've heard you say that Devil, you really like Devil's Haircut. So I'm going to say that Beck is your band for life and you are banning um, the Red s- Hot Chili Peppers. No. What? Yeah. What? That I, is a curveball. I know. That's, I've, that's um, crazy. I've been listening... Uh, yeah, You've rediscovered I've, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ever since I saw them on that James Corden thing, oh. when he was driving in a car with them. Oh, carpool karaoke. Yeah, and I thought, ah, oh, yeah. I do like, I, I still think some... I believe this. Yeah, I know. And I used to, obviously, because of our old boss at Rocket, Sarah used to listen to him like, all the freaking time. And I, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, and we listened to him in the warehouse at work the other day, and I thought, you know what? Like I said, they're not, I don't love them, but... <laughs> Well, this, this is why it's kind of like a little bit oh, okay. but I because do meant, like them you know, a lot more than I ever have just this band for the rest of your life yeah uh, but okay what's clicked the tunes or the tunes like, yeah like the kind of choruses and I think I've got a, uh, in a weird weird way even though I used to do my editing and listen to them at Rocket I still have a bit of like a kind of positive oh no and sort of bit of nostalgia nostalgia right? kind of feeling about those days like listening to them and yeah listen to them every day and yeah, I've got a lot more time. I'm still not a fan of teddy bear trousers and stuff like that. But I think as they've the got older, I think I've just, on the cocks. Nah, again, I think, but I think that they got older, they've kind of probably got a bit. But funk, you hate funk. No, yeah, no. I, I, I swear to God, <laughs> I like... the other day, and I thought, okay. actually, so when I sung along, and I knew all the, loads of the lyrics, and I thought, oh yeah, no, I'll tell you what, they're actually pretty good. And Beck, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I just don't care. Do you think he's overrated? Oh, massively, yeah. Okay. And that acoustic, even these acoustic album we did. Oh, what? Well, that's really good. Oh, I can't stand it. I'm just so bored of it. Everything, yeah. I went to see him at Reading, I think, at Reading Festival, and I oh, just don't just care. Dull. I just don't care. Okay. And I, again, I probably wouldn't have chosen Beck if I didn't know you, but I had to. I was trying to think of two bands that well, he, he well, maybe challenged me... you. Okay. Well, it worked because I, I yeah. got on the wrong way around. Yeah. So well played. Well played, sir. I was, to- I was toying it- of putting the Foo Fighters in there as well. Wow. Well, but I think because Red Hot Chili Peppers are just... Fresh in your mind. Yeah. So who, if you were doing... The, if oh, I, I was a stranger... I should have done Foo Fighters and Red Hot Chili Peppers. That, I mean, would, that, have, would, have that would have thrown me. Yeah. Who, if, if, say, I was a stranger, who would you have said? Um, I would have said, if I didn't know you, I would have said... Just to give the listeners an idea of who your actual favourite band I, is. I, I think I said earlier, I probably would have picked a band like Nickelback to stick in there. There's not many bands that I can't, I absolutely hate... Or artists, I don't particularly have uh, care about Ed Sheeran's work, not particularly. Well, I'm not exposed to. I don't listen to the sort of radio stations that play him, so it, yeah. it doesn't really uh, yeah. come onto my radar. Actually, you know how I do really, which is weird. Art Brute, you hate them. I can't stand them. When they come on the hi-fi, I have to skip it. Hi-fi. <laughs> <laughs> it it's my birthday or something. That one. Oh, yeah, I didn't. What formed a band? Yeah, I formed a band. You formed a band. Formed a band. I have to turn it off. Uh, and I would have probably put Granddaddy. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're one of our favourites listeners. Mm. They're they're the band that we all our songs. I wanted them to kind of. That's if I had a dream producer for our album, it would have been Jason Little from Granddaddy. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Putting all his little bleeps mm. and stuff on our music. But there you go. 
Um, okay. okay, so I think we're kind of near. We must. We're nearly in now. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Um, just to kind of finish off, I'm gonna. I'm. Again, some of these things you might not do in the future, but I'm gonna read out um, one of FAK's a bit of their song as a nice way to kind of finish it. Really, I think. Is this is a bit for me that I, for me was like always one of my favourite lyrics from listening to the band. Our band. Our band. Oh yeah, I was in it. Yep. You wrote it. Uh, you are like a stained glass window. Beautiful, I see straight through your heart. Your heart. <laughs> Airbrush me out of here. I don't belong up here. I just need a few repairs to fly, fly away. Oh, yeah, sure. And I think that almost sums up really what we've been talking about in the lyrics. Well, that that long line about I don't belong up here, that's, yeah. that's kind of what you were talking about, about yeah. self-doubt and whatever. I always felt like a... I think I must have written that pretty soon after I became the singer mm-hmm. and just feeling like feeling like a fraud like I didn't I didn't no, I wasn't handsome enough to be the singer in a band right. I guess correct <laughs> yeah exactly all those all those fears completely true uh, uh, so thanks very th- much for listening thanks for listening so uh, sorry this was a bit downbeat but we, you know that's that's just our story we you know but we, we we do want this to be a positive experience, and the whole failed Rockstar Club ethos is that we mm. are happy people. Generally, mm. we didn't make it, but we had a ruddy good go. Yeah, and you know we had some amazing experiences, so we we wouldn't change anything. Drunk, drunk a lot of red stripe. We certainly did. Yeah. Uh, so we want you to get in touch. A about ideas for rock and knolls. Yeah. How, how do they get in touch? Um, I'm going to say right now we're going to keep it on the best days thing. So. Um, so Best Days Vintage is our business where we are it's the best yep. way to contact us you can follow us on Instagram all of the above just mm-hmm. search Best Days Vintage and you can send us messages tell us that we was rubbish so yeah ideas for Rock and Knolls uh, let's hear your like, ideas for guests we, or if you want to come on because we're, you know, mm. we want to talk to other musicians yep. every week there's going to be a new guest who will get to play these games so they'll be doing their band Band for Life uh, they'll just be listening to Rock and Knolls but we <laughs> We want your ideas for that, and yeah, just any any ideas for other features or stuff. Just yeah, get in, get in touch. Yeah, and what, what just what you think about it as well. Um, this is only episode yeah. one, so I'm sure we'll hit our stride get our, hit our stride a bit further down the line. Yeah. Um, each week we'll be interviewing you know, different musicians, so next we have now got to try and approach some musicians. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah, leave us reviews and stuff. That's good oh, for our kind that's of subscribe thing they people talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I've oh. heard podcasts before. Yeah, uh, but. At least Teletext won't be able to get in touch. Yeah. Because they're out of business. Ha yeah. ha. Yep. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> Knock and rock and nose.